Welcome back to Out of Trouble. I'm your host, Nicholas Harder, and today's episode is... Wait, wait one sec. Realize. Realize. It's the second in a three-part series, so if you haven't listened to the first one, go back and listen to Real Eyes, and then next week we'll do Real Lies, just to make it as confusing for you as possible. On this episode, if you'll recall, I'll be having a conversation with my friend Gabo, QAnon initiate, and we'll be trying to understand how he came to believe all these conspiracy theories about pedophiles and politicians and the coronavirus. Don't forget to follow me on social media. I'm at Out of Trouble Nick. That's Nick N I K. Rate, review me if you haven't already. Thank you. Enjoy. Politics over J. It's a random August night in 2020. Gabo's just come over and he's pulling out a joint. We're sitting at the dining room table, about to smoke, and I'm complaining to him that the United States has to deal with all this bullshit with coronavirus that other countries don't seem to have to deal with. Uh, this debate over whether or not we should wear masks, the debate over whether or not we should just take it seriously in general. Right? So I've seen plenty of articles that show cloth masks don't actually help us very much. I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> By the way, I just invited Gabo over to hang out. I was not expecting to have this conversation, and I have never heard him say any anti-mask, pandemic type stuff before this. It's not a pandemic as it's being made out to be. But at the same time, it's not exactly surprising. After all, this is Gabo, right? He's always been kind of into conspiracy theories. He used to have this thing that looked like a fancy glass clown horn, like a beep beep clown horn, uh, with an opening on either end that he would pour his water through. And he swore to me that it like realigned the molecules and the water into the shape of crystals, which was somehow supposed to be good. I have no idea. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's into hippie stuff. He's into conspiracy theory stuff. But this whole conservative twist to it that's new, and I also always thought of it as more harmless. This anti-mask stuff is maybe not so harmless. I don't know if it's healthy for us to be like wearing masks all day, breathing in extra CO2. Like where do you draw the line of like, you can breathe enough, but it can't let the, the bad stuff in. So it's a week after my conversation with Gabo. This episode's gonna jump around in time a little bit. And I'm sitting, in my big beanbag chair in my room and playing the tape, the conversation that I had with Gabo over my speakers, just kind of reflecting on it. And there comes a moment in the tape where I'm reminded where Gabo is getting all this new information from. Gabo's all on this Instagram group chat with these guys and he's telling me all this stuff that is from conservative media, just like conspiracy theories that are pretty intimately connected with conservative media. Gabo has joined a QAnon Instagram chat group where they share QAnon-related articles, social media posts, websites. 
I think now is a good time for us to uh, hear from Sam again and be reminded of the main questions that are driving these episodes. Why can't we handle coronavirus? What is it about the media that is causing people to be so polarized about it? How come some people believe it's a terrible issue and they're hiding in their homes? How come other people are refusing to wear masks and thinking it's an entire joke? What's going on? So this is the question that I'm going to answer for you in these episodes. How did our media become so polarized, filled with misinformation, disinformation, that's causing us to not be able to handle this pandemic? But to answer that question, we have to understand how someone like Gabo, who's college educated, smart, he graduated the same year as me from my same university. How is it that someone like Gabo gets into a group like QAnon? Right now he's telling me about Hillary Clinton. Yeah, well, so Pizzagate was one of the first instances that exposed Hillary, the Clinton Foundation and the political, like, especially the Democratic elite as being implicit in these pedophilia rings. How is it that Gabo, who is quite liberal, or was, is now telling me about Pizzagate, which is an extremely radical and conservative conspiracy theory and one of the founding conspiracy theories of QAnon. Pizzagate refers to a conspiracy theory that first cropped up back in 2016 that holds that the Clintons and the quote, Democratic elites were running a pedophile sex ring out of a pizza shop. So part of the reason that I'm listening back to this conversation I had with Gabo a week later is I could do what I couldn't do in person. I can look up all these conspiracy theories as I'm hearing them, fact check. Um, but I don't even bother to do this with Pizzagate because I've heard it covered in so many stories and by so many outlets already, and I know that it's been thoroughly, thoroughly debunked. The point I'm trying to make is that I didn't start hearing about these out there, oftentimes conservative conspiracy theories until Gabo joined this Instagram QAnon chat group, which he's since invited me to, and we'll talk about more later. And since he joined that group, I've been hearing lots of theories like this one about how, quote, 50 of Hillary's acquaintances have been, have committed suicide. Hillary Clinton has had 50 acquaintances commit suicide. It's called the Clinton body count. So what you're hearing right now in this silence, as I'm melting into my beanbag chair and putzing around on my computer is... I'm actually reading into the Clinton body count and discovering that it is, in fact, complete bullshit. Okay, there was a pseudo-documentary film made that accused Bill Clinton of crimes including murder in the 90s, and there was a conspiracy theory that him and Hillary assassinated 50 or more of their associates. It says 50. And that conspiracy theory has been thoroughly debunked by multiple media outlets. I'm going to just sign Gabo this. But yeah, I can't do this when we talk in person. So. Since Gabo and I had that first conversation, I've become his sort of confidant or more like his test strip for that out there information that he's taking in. 
So he messages me and he sends me things like articles questioning the legitimacy of the coronavirus or videos claiming to show that the wildfires in California were started by lasers fired from space or a picture of Obama supposedly leading a satanic cult ritual. And he'll send me these things and ask me, what do you think? I'm not here to say your opinion on this matter is wrong. I'm here to say, here's all the facts, you know? And that's what I really appreciate about the group I've been exposed to is that they give me the, the educated conservative side so I can actually make a good decision on where I stand on things. So I have become like the counterweight for Gabo to this quote, educated conservative perspective. He wants to know all sides. So he sends me these conspiracy theories, but it gets a little frustrating after a while because I find I have the same experience processing and debunking these conspiracy theories nearly every time. Either it's flat out wrong and a little bit of research bears that out, or there's a layer of nuance, but in the end, the basic facts that we started with are still true. So here's an example. Here's Gabo telling me in that first conversation we had about why the coronavirus isn't actually that big of a deal. It's not a pandemic as it's being made out to be. Like, I think, I, I think even this year there's more flu deaths. I'd have to, I'd have to look that one up, but like, I definitely think, um, they do tally influenza and uh, pneumonia deaths with COVID-19. So what Gabo told me is that there have been more influenza deaths than COVID-19 deaths. Well, that's not exactly right, but what is correct and what surprised me is that they are tallying pneumonia and influenza deaths with COVID-19 deaths. Meaning if someone's cause of death this year was pneumonia or influenza, that got counted as a COVID-19 death. Because they exhibit similar symptoms and a lot of people go undiagnosed and it's generally acknowledged that the death rate is actually underreported. So this kind of makes up for it a little bit because a lot of people die at home or don't get tested before they die. And they're often misclassified as pneumonia or influenza. There's this level of nuance to it. You have to read into it to understand why the death toll uh, for COVID-19 includes influenza and pneumonia deaths and is still the most accurate number that experts and scientists can generate. In my experience, being in online spaces and fielding these conspiracy theories that Gabo sends me, it's usually confusion about that layer of nuance which generates the outrageous claim in the first place. In this case, that they do count influenza and pneumonia deaths as COVID-19, which doesn't mean that there have been more influenza flu deaths, like Gabo said. And after parsing out that nuance, the basic fact that we started with, that COVID-19 is a bona fide pandemic that has been much more deadly than the flu, is still true. And this is how misinformation is created, right? present specific facts in a certain way and manipulate confusion about that layer of nuance to tell a different story. Ironically, this is not dissimilar to what reporters and journalists do. It, 
would just be like a really irresponsible and lazy reporter. So the reason I have this same experience over and over again, um, peeling back the layers of nuance and debunking these theories, because when Gabo sends me these things to check out, you know, I'll send him back articles from reputable outlets like the New York Times or the Washington Post, but he doesn't believe those sources of information. And likewise, I don't trust the stuff that he sends me from, you know, some red pillar on Instagram or some random sketchy looking home-baked website. So the reason that I keep having this experience over and over again is because Gabu and I subscribe to different sets of facts. Well, really the folks on his QAnon chat group and I subscribe to very different sets of facts. And then Gabo exists somewhere in the middle trying to bring us all together. Yeah, I feel like I've definitely taken the point of the token liberal of like sending them the other side's articles. Yeah. Like even if they ignore my points or they like keep on saying stuff that I don't agree with, at least I'm expanding the course of conversation. You know, if I hadn't done that, then maybe things would have gone even farther down the rabbit hole. For them, you mean? For them. Whereas because of me, maybe it stayed where it was, you know? So Gabo sees himself as bringing people together by presenting the liberal side to this chat group and then also presenting the chat group side to me. The way I see it is that it's not my job to change their mind. It's just my job to make them think. I think that being open to these out there ideas helped Gabo think more critically, ironically. Yeah. So hyper liberal, but by not getting to discuss my ideas, I didn't actually have good like reason and rationale behind them. Yeah. We're back. It's that first conversation we had. We're around the dining room table, smoking joints. And I think that the criticism that Gabo lodges here at people who don't question their beliefs or look into things is totally valid. Because I think a lot of people aren't good at defending their ideas. They're just yeah. good at parroting ideas. Yeah. And yet, when I was fact-checking Gabo, he was wrong about four out of five times, so... Um, that's like, yeah, being in this QAnon group has really taught me, like... I really feel like it has less to do with thinking critically than doing your research and who you believe. Yeah, I personally have grown just more and more distrustful of all media. Yeah. What's up? What's good? Yo. What's up, It's my roommates getting uh, home. Gabo's trying to get me into QAnon. Whoa. Trying to present... Into? Yeah. Just presenting you know, him the Twitter other side. Is, um, They're with their dog, Gordo, who you're going to hear lapping yeah. up water in a sec. And um, they got groceries. They're putting stuff away and chiming in here and there. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's that's what's hard. It's like there's so much out there that it gets crazy. But there's also, I think, some truth. I feel like, well, like why do you think that some of them are fake and some of them are not if it's all coming from the same place? They're talking right now about Q, the leader of QAnon. 
Q claims to be a government official, though no one's ever verified their identity, hence the name QAnon, Q Anonymous, and they periodically release, quote, secret government information, which no one is able to verify. Uh, but a lot of people, like Gabo, at least entertain the idea that this person is genuinely releasing government secrets. Um, the reason that they're blowing up COVID, the reason that Black Lives Matter was so intense during this time was because they're trying to distract us from allegations of pedophilia in Hollywood, corporate, and political elites. So while liberal Gabo may not subscribe to every single out there conspiracy theory that Q or his followers put forward, he does subscribe to the main theory that bonds Q's followers together, which is that the world is being run by a cabal of Satan-worshipping pedophile elites that need to be overthrown. There's like, you know, human-eating parties, satanic ritualistic sacrifices, pedophilia, like orgies. That's how crazy things can get. Really old families that have passed down their wealth through generation and just kind of influence the whole world. So I'm trying to answer this question about why there's so much polarization in our media and all this miss and disinformation. There's a lot of dots, and if you want to connect the lines, they, they make more sense than what the media is telling me. And it seems to me like if I can figure out why Gabo is more likely to trust someone who says that the world is being run by Satan-worshipping pedophiles over, say, a reporter from the New York Times, if I can figure that out, then maybe I can start to answer that question. Why can't we handle coronavirus? What is it about the media that is causing people to be so polarized about it? The answer is twofold. So the, the biggest reason that we can't handle this pandemic because there's so much disinformation is a loss of trust in media and government institutions. People do not trust the media, people do not trust the government. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, the number one reason why we cannot handle this pandemic. And for Gabo, this crisis of trust in the media and the government started where it starts for a lot of conspiracy theorists, and that is 9-11. To me, it's so obvious 9-11 was an inside job. And like, right. once you understand that premise, then anything is possible. If people orchestrated the biggest terrorist attack to invade countries that had nothing to do with it. Like, come on, that's that's diabolical. And once you believe that they could do that, then you could believe that they do anything. And that was what drew me to Q, was that was the first time I heard a narrative that explained why the fuck they would do that. You may not believe that 9-11 was a straight-up inside job like Gabo does, but I think for many Americans there continues to be questions swirling around the events of 9-11, and certainly questions surrounding the results of that tragic event, which were, were horrifying. I mean, 200,000 innocent civilians killed in Iraq, a seemingly unending war that got started in the Middle East. So. And I know the Iraq war was nominally started over weapons of mass destruction, which turns out they didn't exist, but Americans would not have had an appetite for that war if not for 9-11. And to prove this, I found a statistic. Okay, so in 2003, six months after the Iraq war had started, seven out of 10 Americans, 70% of Americans, Republicans and Democrats alike, 
continued to believe that Saddam Hussein, the leader of Iraq, had something to do with 9-11. So that idea that Iraq was involved in 9-11 was circulating in the media at the time, encouraged by certain politicians, <coughs> Dick Cheney, <coughs> even though US intelligence agencies were in consensus that like, yeah, no, Saddam Hussein had nothing to do with it. Here's Sam and I, who originally asked the question which started all this, reflecting on it at his house. I don't think it was totally the US government, but I think that yeah, maybe they know, knew about it. Right, I think they knew more than they're letting on. And I definitely think that the whole drumbeat for the Iraq war afterwards. Oh yeah, that was like- Crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. And well, that was totally pushed by the media. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's also crazy that we're like, you think the American government would let 3,000 of their citizens die? And it's like, shit, look where we are now with COVID, like 150,000. And then you look at the funneling of money, aka power, to the top 1%, like not even 1%, like the 0.1%, you know? And once you believe that there's a ring of people who would benefit enough from orchestrating 9-11 and are willing to put that into action, you start questioning the very you know, principles of our society. unimaginable sums of money, right? Trillions of dollars have been made and continues to be made off of American warfare. Contractors, weapons manufacturers, corrupt, propped up governments, they all profit off of our tax dollars. America has military bases in more than 70 countries. We kill people in those countries, civilians and terrorists alike, with disregard for international law um, and no formal declarations of war. That dynamic did not start with 9-11, but it was definitely accelerated by it. That's why large portions of the world view us, America, as evil. We have a military-industrial complex. And yet so many Americans, at one point or another, have somehow come to believe that these people overseas need to be killed because they hate our freedom and want to take it from us. So while I really don't like the phrase the media, since most of the time when I see people use it, they're referring to a monolith that doesn't really exist. It is true that tendencies in the way news is covered has led to disaster in the past. And it's not just with declaring war. The 2015-2016 presidential election is actually a great example of sensationalism and media bias. From the moment Trump came down that escalator to declare Mexicans as rapists and murderers, reporters latched on to every controversial word he said. That kept him in the news cycle all the time, which without a doubt contributed to his being elected. And that was done by the so-called liberal media. Point being that because of trends in reporting, not globalistic cabals, media frenzy is a thing, and sometimes the mainstream narrative is wrong, or at least there's something wrong with it. So considering that, it makes sense that Gabo's skeptical when again there's this whole media frenzy over the coronavirus. Everybody is changing their narrative, you know. And Gabo doesn't trust the media. Like if the media decided to play up how many flu cases there were across the entire US, they could make it seem like a pandemic just because there's like 300 million people 
you know? Yeah. And this this kind of makes sense, right? Because you've you've seen how the mainstream media has lied in the past. Mm-hmm. That makes you wonder if you can ever trust them. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you, there's videos sense. of like 9-11, like they're saying, oh, that looks like a controlled demolition the day of, because that's what it was, you know? That's, that's now you have part one in my answer to this big question of how our media became so polarized and filled with misinformation. Lack of trust in traditional media has created space for groups like QAnon to survive and thrive. It's grown by 600% since the start of the pandemic, which by the way is the same time period that Gabo joined in. Q has millions of followers across the country, is constantly gaining more, and constantly evolving and expanding the number of conspiracy theories included under its umbrella. So, lack of trust in traditional media has created space for conspiracy theories and misinformation. But it's not lack of trust that's driving the political polarization in the media. The second part of my answer has to do with the economics of news. In the last 10 years, newsrooms across the board from radio to cable to uh, online publications have lost about a quarter of their employees. Most of those job losses came from newspapers, newspapers which cover mostly local news. The number of newspaper newsroom employees has declined by 51% in the last 10 years. The industry of journalism is sick. Coverage of local events has plummeted while the latest Trump drama is broadcasted out ad nauseum. In the next episode, I'm gonna speak with Professor Hamilton, the director of the journalism program at Stanford, very exciting, and author of the book, All the News That's Fit to Sell. I'm gonna talk with him about the economic forces which drive the creation of news and which have created the toxic news environment which we're now living in and dealing with. That's next time, and it's not all doom and gloom. We're going to talk solutions, too, so tune in. It's important. One might even say newsworthy. (laughs) All right, thank you for listening. Have a good night.